Well, hello and welcome to a very uh, short of hosts, Plain Talking UK <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Carlos here in the PTUK studios this week and uh, it's just like the olden days because it's just me and Matt this week. See, so hello keep, Matt. You keep saying the word old, would you pack that in All right, It's, it's like a few years ago. I, I know I had a birthday <laughs> recently but there's no, there's no need for that. <laughs> It's like it's like before we used to do the live, you know, the, the live yeah. shows. Isn't it? So oh, can you remember those you. days? It was so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. none of this complicated stuff. We could yeah. no one watching to make sure we done things wrong. Quite right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'd have yeah. to wait till next week when all the emails came flooding yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so welcome uh, to episode two hundred ninety-seven of the show. Uh, it's uh, Saturday and it's the seventh of December, so we're casually creeping up to Christmas time. Tell me about it. And uh, yeah, it's safe to say that um, we've had a well. I've had a busy week. Um, I literally got back yesterday or last night, actually, from uh, well, yes, uh, from yeah, Oman. Went, went somewhere warm, um, from you? somewhere very warm, yeah. much warmer than it is now. And uh, yeah, I had a lovely time, lovely trip with BA. Big oh, thanks uh, to everyone uh, at BA. Tanya says, "Nice haircut, Matt." Oh. He's, he's been in Sin Rob. I have, yeah. He's absolutely. been in Sin Rob. Yeah, it's normally better than this. I should apologise to Rob because I haven't bothered to do it this morning. This is the just out of bed look. <laughs> so uh, I had um, we had a nice trip out in the 787-9 with BA in uh, World Traveller Plus or Premium Economy as you call it, mm. uh, which was lovely, uh, really nice. And then on the way home, we we thought we were going to have to, well, we were going to slum it in Economy. So on the way home yesterday, Aww, we, were, we were in a Dash 8 in Economy and we had the... Um, booked the last two seats, so the very last um, row of seats at the back of the plane, because there's two seats and no one mm. there, so it's quite, it's quite nice, the couple seats, they call them. Um, but when we got on board the aircraft yesterday morning in Oman, um, it's safe to say that BA did not make much money from that oh, flight yesterday, oh really? oh because uh, the whole entire economy cabin, um, we all had a row of seats each. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, which was nice. Okay. We, uh, I think, uh, we had six cabin crew for t- to look after. Like, wow. Okay, <laughs> so you almost had one each. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was crazy. It was yeah. it one was, cabin uh, crew to every two passengers. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, safe to say, the takeoff yesterday morning from Oman was uh, short. Uh, right. And, okay. Uh, yes, I don't. Yeah. It's not much of a run up required. <laughs> no, 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 no. Indeed. But so uh, we had a nice flight back. A little bit of turbulence when we came in over Eastern Europe, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, Gemma was in the middle of her dessert while we were having that, which that's oh, quite dear. amusing to watch. Um, but yeah, we had a You're nice. Such flight. a caring husband. Don't I know. Well, yeah. I was in my own row of seats. Yeah. You see, having, oh, enjoying right. myself. Mind, so minding uh, your own business. Yes. Minding my own business. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this morning, and or this afternoon, I should say, or this morning, wherever you are in the world yeah. so uh good quick hello to uh auntie liz chris griggs richard adams tanya w um we've got pilot pip in the chat room jan hubner in the chat room we've got masha hello to you masha who joined us in the chat room this morning and uh yeah welcome to everyone who's joined us on this different time for the show yeah. this week so we've got loads of stuff uh, to bring you this mm. week's show Oh, uh, can I before we can we start? Can I just mention the John Hutchinson interview that took place yeah, this week? What did Nev do on Wednesday? Well, this week? yeah, absolutely. So Nev went with a certain legend that is a certain Captain Nick, and uh, they went and did a nice little interview. Uh, j- j- guys, I, I've this is a, the, what you're looking at is a rough cut here, which is why there's no sound at the moment. Um, which uh, Nev never sort of shared with us, if you like, to just have a little bit of a taste. And it's just, oh, guys, you are going to love this interview. I mm. cannot wait to start bringing it to you. It 
it is going to be a fantastic. Now, I spoke to Nev yesterday whilst on the shuttle bus to the car park. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nev was telling me that apparently, um, obviously, um, uh, John has done a lot of interviews in the last kind of few months. Yes, of course, too. For for TV uh, and radio as well and uh, for other bits and pieces about the book. But uh, Nev did tell me yesterday, Matt, that uh, apparently... Uh, he was really impressed with the fact that Nick asked him questions that no one else had well, asked. Well, and this is the thing. One of the things he's, as I say, I, I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone by saying so, because I've got an advantage here because I've watched the first, like the first episode, if you see what I mean. And one of the one of the nice things that was very very clear is Nick had obviously sat down and read the book. He has. And then what he did was he chose questions. Uh, that weren't answered in the book. So if you like, it's worth buying the book because these are like add-on. Mm. It, it sort of complements the book really nicely because it's sort of picking uh, a bit. And uh, the very first question that Nick asked, and the first thing John Hutchinson said was, "Wow, that's an absolutely brilliant question." Mm. Uh, you know, so I, guys, seriously, <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, Nev obviously has done his amazing uh, job uh, producing this together, and obviously with uh, Captain Nick as the question master. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better mm. combination, really, could you? So, uh, I mean, so excited! According to, to Nev, this is going to be at least an eight or nine part. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. there's lots of it's content that's recorded. Yeah, can't, literally cannot wait to start sharing that with you. Uh, so we've got uh, all the usual news uh, this week coming up. Yep. We've got uh, a military segment brought to you by Armando. Uh, which is all in video form this week. <laughs> We've got some feedback, uh, video feedback from Evan Shu, which is yes. really good. It's all about GA flying yep. uh, in thick fog, dust storms uh, uh, from across the pond. So be that great. sounds frightening. I know. <laughs> and uh, we've got another instalment from uh, the Dubai Air Show where me and Nev are having a mooge round the A380 and Nev uh, samples his favourite part of the aircraft first class. Uh, and I sampled my favourite part of the aircraft, which was the shower and bathroom. Right, OK. Did you actually have a shower then? No, I no, didn't. Right. I, I it was good. Oh, you'd have to see. The video is great. you have yeah, to see the video. Okay. is great. Yeah, yeah. But we do have uh, a spit of news to bring at the beginning of the show this week. Mm. Uh, so for those of you who are watching the live show now, this is a kind of, uh, well, kind of you're, you're there first kind yes, of thing. Uh, because uh, those of you will know that next year in January, on the 11th, of January, yes. we are celebrating our three hundredth show. Yep. So it's safe to say we've. Um, well, it's been a it's been a bit of a struggle finding a venue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we knew we were never going to top the brilliance yeah, that was on no, two hundred. No, but. so we've I, I've tried my best to try and top uh, the one hundredth and two hundredth yeah. show uh, venues, um, but we have. I've kind of got somewhere that's. It's good. I'm really excited. I know for it's this, good. Actually, yeah. Uh, so we we are. Uh, I've just got to sign some paperwork, yep. um, which I've got here in front of me here, yes. and uh, we are going to take over the function room or the conference room at the Renaissance Hotel at London Heathrow. Now, p- now, p- people who are, are big plane spotters will know that the Renaissance Conference Room is famous for the fact that it's got incredible views. Of Heathrow's runway, it has, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so we've um, yeah. we've just got I've just got to speak to the guys next week there, and tick some um, things and dot some yeah, eyes and do free some bits and pieces. In other so words, in, in other words, it's all done. He's just got to pay the money. That's yeah, the- exactly. <laughs> got to pay the money. Uh, but we are we are going to take over that function room for the day on yep. the eleventh of January. So if anyone's yep. listening, Saturday, if you're listening, the eleventh of January. If you uh, want to come and yeah, uh, join us for the live show, we're going to do a live show for the 300th from the conference room. Yeah. Uh, if you want to send us an email, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, yeah. uh, just to let you know, because we have obviously got a, a limited amount of spaces uh, for uh, for people there, but we are going to have food 
and drink, yeah, uh, which is really, really. Yeah, I think to be fair, I think there's a space for about seventy. I think. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so that is the Renaissance Hotel at London Heathrow. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite a famous air uh, hotel yeah. because the roof I think is used for a spot of plane spotting. Yes, absolutely. I think. Yeah, some yeah. of the big rooms. So uh, uh, we uh, we've booked our rooms. We have. Yeah, we've absolutely. booked our rooms. Nev has booked his room. There are rooms available, by the way. There guys. Are. So if you do want to make a bit of a weekend of it, to get yourself onto the Renaissance website. And uh, you can get special each, rate. Yeah, absolutely. At the moment, there are some special rates available. So uh, if if you are able to join us, then you then then get Alfie's on with booked it his room. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just <laughs> shouting now. He's shouting just, his approval. He is. Yeah. You know, he just wants you all to know that he's booked yep. his room uh, in the do, in the doghouse. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so uh, London location for us uh, with our three hundredth uh, from the conference room of the Renaissance Hotel, uh, which is on the Bath Road uh, overlooking the runways at Heathrow. So uh, if you can make it, guys. Uh, it would be amazing. Send us an email. So it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And uh, we'll mention it again at the end of the show as well. Yeah. But, and I'll uh, also yes. put uh, all the relevant links and bits and pieces on our social, social media, media pages yeah. Uh, yeah, later absolutely. on today. So yes, there we do. go. Yeah. So we're very much looking forward to that. It's, it's going yeah. to be good fun, as I, I say, know. just after Christmas as well. So something yeah. to look forward to after post-Christmas. And obviously, because it's going to be about minus 400 degrees yeah, uh, in January, yeah. we'll be in, it, it's a heated uh, yeah, yeah. function. Yeah, Indoors, conference yeah, room, so uh, we'll yeah, be inside. Yeah, yeah. So Definitely. looking forward to that. Oh, I can't wait, Matt. Uh, hang on. I was just, uh, oh, right, uh, right. Um, yeah, so Chris Griggs has already emailed in. He's joining us. Oh, Chris Griggs. <laughs> well done, Chris. <laughs> Lovely. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. 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 So uh, looking forward to that. We're um, yeah, we're, we're we're just just over the moon. It's yeah. Good. No, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be good. really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, it's gonna be nice to Armando. Also, I should say, is actually coming too. So bless him. He's fly. He's he's flying over from the states to join us. So it'll be a real opportunity uh, to talk to Armando one on one because the guy is. Uh, we're so lucky to have him as part mm. of the team. He is yeah. the most fascinating man. So uh, yeah, if you uh, if you can make it uh, Saturday the eleventh of January at the Renaissance Hotel, uh, be there or be square. So then we have got lots to get through, and uh, as always, we are going to start the show as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt, yes, I certainly am. And if you're ready, Armando. <laughs> So kicking off this week's first news story, and as Nev's not here, I thought we'd start off with a BA story. Oh, please be a nice BA story. It is. Story. It's oh, a right. nice story. I've, not, I've got nothing but love for BA right now. Well, yes, um, that's true. Yes. So this one is on the adsadvance.co.uk website, and uh, the headline, BA named Airline of the Year. Okay, right. So it's uh, in the centenary year, British Airways has been named Airline of the Year at one of the aviation industry's most prestigious award ceremonies, the CAPA's annual Global Aviation Awards for Excellence, which are held in Malta yesterday evening. Oh, so CAPA, oh did they? <laughs> I know. They are the, the, I missed my, uh, my yes, invitation. Uh, CAPA Centre for Aviation is one of the world's most trusted sources of market intelligence for the aviation 
education and travel industry. Judges awarded BA the headline title uh, of the night in recognition of its continuing commitment to innovation, investment in new aircraft and renewal of its existing cabins so they look and feel new. It's uh, new redesigned lounges as well, part of this uh, kind of look, and also new dining across the cabins, and new bedding and new amenity kits. And also industry str uh, leading streaming uh, onboard Wi-Fi and access to power at every aircraft seat. Speaking at the event, uh, Kappa Chairman uh, Emeritus Peter Harbison said, uh, British Airways was famously the world's favourite airline in the 1990s and it's taken some tough decisions to maintain its market position against the increasing competition. Under the leadership of CEO and Chairman Alex Cruz, British Airways has not been afraid to adopt new ticketing practices, service levels and is now among the front runners of distribution change and technology adoption. At the same time as achieving an industry-leading ROIC, it's certainly 100 not out for one of the world's most famous aircraft brands. He says say that we're now transforming British Airways so that we are fit for the future and investing six and a half billion pounds in new, more efficient aircraft, including new products, innovating with technology, and we are committing to a net zero emissions by 2050. BA is proudly uh, proud history of taking Britain to the world and bringing the world to Britain, and it's set to continue for years to come. Other airline winners included Air Baltic, uh, oh. regional airline of the year, uh, LOT, L-O-T, uh, airline turnaround of the year, and Spirit Airlines also uh, got the low-cost airline of the year award so it's safe to say BA have certainly um, kind of I think they've turned a corner now they're you know they're getting back to um, to where they should be and I have to say Matt I'm not joking all jokes aside we, you know we do have a you know funny sort of thing to say about yeah. BA every now and again but the food was oh, really? incredible was really good. yeah yeah oh, okay. I have to say the food was fantastic um, even the economy food we had yesterday was really nice well cooked oh, you well were presented BA to Armand as well yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, BA yeah. there and back. Uh, premium, we had premium on the way out, and the food is obviously served in a slightly different way with mm. uh, a slightly different menu, but um, the food standard, the drinks and stuff, you know, orange juice, wine, water, beer, and I, I must admit I did dabble in a few more ta uh, cans of the BA100, Speedbird 100 <laughs> beer, um, right. and I brought yeah. some home. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Right, any excuse for The crew were very yeah. very nice to me yesterday. Right. yes, clearly. Have some beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So moving on to actively <laughs> the next story. Yeah. Uh, the next story, uh, which uh, for you, Matt, is uh, obviously a Ryanair one, but uh, yeah. it's a bit of a... Yeah, Donald Trump's been putting his foot in again here with Just with for a change, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, a bit of a, a bit of an odd, st well, not an odd story, I suppose, because the trouble is, is uh, Air Force One always lands at stands, mm. doesn't it? Obviously, because of the security uh, requirements. Yeah, so this is the travelandleisure.com website, and the headline is: More than 500 Ryanair passengers diverted to different airports. Due, due to Trump's Air Force One delay in London. Um, so more than 500 Ryanair passengers were diverted to other airports nearly 100 miles away uh, while trying to land in London this week as Air Force One was late taking off. So President Donald Trump was in London for the NATO summit and was flying back to the US on Wednesday night, but his flight was delayed according to The Independent. The reason for the delay was not reported, probably because he was busy playing golf. Uh, the presidential jet was scheduled to 
believe London Stansted Airport, which is uh, northeast of the city and tends to be less congested than Heathrow or Gatwick. But the airport also happens to be Ryanair's busiest base. And um, whilst uh, while it is less crowded, uh, the Independent explained that there were no arrivals for more than an hour. Wow, that's huge for, for Stansted, isn't it? From 4.36pm to 5.45pm because traffic has to stay clear while Air Force One is moving. Uh, so when uh, three Ryanair flights from uh, Limagus, France... Uh, Lodz in Poland and Lisbon in uh, uh, and Poland and Lisbon in Portugal flew into the city after Air Force One was scheduled to take off. They couldn't land, according to the Independent. The planes from both France and uh, Portugal, uh, both being 737s, were forced to circle with no clear end in sight. They finally decided to divert to Birmingham Airport <laughs> and East Midlands, respectively. Well, I suppose they had concerns like of over fuel, didn't they? Because obviously yeah. they they had um, you know, I know they carry extra fuel for to to do a bit of you know in pattern holding, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, the flight from Lisbon decided to avoid circling near the city completely and diverted straight to East Midlands. All three planes refuelled at their new new airports before finally flying to Stansted about two hours later than originally planned. Uh, we worked closely with Essex Police and the US Secret Service in advance to develop a well-rehearsed plan for arrival and departure of a POTUS. Um, a representative for Stansted Airport told the Independent. However, the additional delay to the departure did unfortunately affect our schedule as we were going into the evening peak period. As always, we will work with all the relevant parties involved to review the process for accommodating Air Force One to ensure we minimise any disruption to our passengers in future. The paper, this is the Independent, also reported uh, the Ryanair flights weren't the only affected planes. An EasyJet plane from Amsterdam was delayed from taking off to keep uh, the air clear for Air Force One and another EasyJet plane was forced to circle over London before being allowed to land more than 30 minutes late so uh, I mean I, I, there's not a lot we can say to this story really they have you know they have to the do rules. it it's they the have rules, to do yeah, it yeah. it is inconvenient you know 500 people were inconvenienced um, but I, I, I guess that, you know that, that there's not really a lot you can do do about really is there for me, it would be one of those things where you could say to your mates, you know, oh, you you were delayed. Yeah, I was delayed. Why yeah. were you delayed? Oh, Trump, yeah. Air, Air Force, Force One. One. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, does it? No. <laughs> I think it's quite, you know, that would be a good Facebook mm. uh, update. You know, I'm late getting home, guys, because I'm just waiting for Air Force One to take off. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that just as you. I, I suppose the trouble is, is you're not allowed to be sort of even see it take off. I guess are you? With no, you, the, a lot of people have watched this from stands right, take okay. off. There are yeah. good viewpoints, but um, no, it's all heightened security whenever Mr. Trump's mm. around. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I can understand why. <laughs> the most hated. No, anyway. Sorry, moving on. <laughs> so uh, Armando has uh, very kindly uh, sent us in uh, a story. Uh, for this week's show on the commercial yeah. segment. So uh, we're going to hand things over to Armando. Hey, guys. I wanted to read this first story from Seattle. It's come from airlinerwatch.com. Uh, Boeing says the approval delays by regulators could cause the manufacturer to actually suspend the production of the MAX jets. In its letter to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Boeing referred to the size of the current 737 MAX order backlog and difficulties to keep up with the planned delivery dates due to the ongoing uncertainty. Uh, Boeing was expecting the FAA to uh, lift the flight ban for its MAX jets around mid-December, 
But recent statements from the agency revealed that the U.S. regulators' review of revised training requirements could go beyond December of 2019. During the Dubai Air Show last month, FAA Administrator Stephen Dixon said that the agency did not finish its audits on the aircraft stall prevention system known as the MCAS. The 737 MAX MCAS is linked to the two crashes we've talked about, um, EASA, Transport Canada, Civil Aviation Administration of China have already declared that it would conduct their own reviews for the recertification of the aircraft. Indonesia's Civil Aviation Authority said it would allow the aircraft to return to service after all major regulators approved the changes made to the system and the pilot training. The Directorate General of Civil Aviation of India also announced that it was considering setting an experience threshold for pilots who will fly the 737 MAX in, uh, on Indian operators. The 737 MAX is the fastest selling aircraft in the history of Boeing. It has been grounded since March 13th. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those stories that's just going to run and run, isn't it? It's um, we've all seen the pictures online. Yeah, there's yeah. there's some really great overhead pictures at uh, at the Boeing plant where the Max is being produced, and you know you've got these aircraft parked in in uh, staff parking uh, car parks or yeah. parking lots, um, and there's a great picture. Uh, with this story as well, uh, Matt, the links will be in the show notes for the yeah. story. There's a really good picture in this story that shows um, the um, kind of backlog of these aircraft. And I think we've said before that just stopping production while they clear the backlog yeah. is not a, a very cheap option I mean, for do, Boeing. Do, do you think it will ever actually fly? Oh, again? it'll fly again. It'll fly yeah. again. They'll, they'll recertify this. They'll be flying back. You know, it'll be flying in 2020. There's right. no doubt about that. But it's just going to take so long to clear the backlog of aircraft for one and don't forget as well you've also got all the aircraft that are currently that were in use mm. with airlines across the globe which uh, are now obviously been sitting there for all these months they've obviously been keeping these aircraft maintained and 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 running and run, running various systems on to keep these aircraft still mm. um working well but you know it's going to take a lot of time to get all these aircraft not just the ones that are being built but also the ones as i said that are sitting there uh, back into service again with the yeah. airlines um, i mean i mean it's an impressive picture how it, i mean however you dress it up it's a it's sort of a little bit uh, i don't know it makes me feel a bit sad really i've got to yeah. be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's sad but it you know they'll they'll get through it you know boeing will get through that with um you know we spoke like i said we spoke to uh, one of the guys at uh, dubai air show and and mm. boeing were really positive about, right. Okay. Uh, about everything, and so. I, I still maintain. You know, I still stick by what I said about it. I think when it does finally go back into service, it will literally oh, be the safest aircraft. The safest aircraft because <laughs> they they literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, nobody will ever have confidence in Boeing ever again if they don't mm. get this right, will they? Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the the long and the short of it. So thanks for that, Armando. And moving on to the next story, uh, which is uh, it's a foodie story. We haven't done a foodie story for a while on the show. Here come the emails. Oh. <laughs> so uh, no, this one is uh, important for all you uh, people who like to go green. And this one is on foodandwine.com. So in the past, we've talked about uh, edible uh, things to to have on aircraft to uh, to use, so people can like. You know, eat the food from a plate and then eat the plate afterwards. Right. Uh, so okay. this one uh, airline is uh, this airline is testing edible coffee cups made from biscotti biscuits. Oh, I love biscotti oh, biscuits. Yeah. 
They're so nice. How do they make it so it doesn't... Like, it's weird, isn't it? Okay, I know. Yeah, so uh, on, early yeah, this yeah. year, uh, near New Zealand announced it would be taking significant steps to back uh, on its use of disposable plastics, both in the air and on the ground. It removed all the single-use water bottles from its business, premier and premium economy cabins, uh, which the airline says will keep uh, 460,000 bottles from landfills every year and will cut carbon emissions uh, by more than £660,000 annually. On top of that, it's, uh, it's stepped passing out plastic sauce packets uh, to business premier customers, swapping them for reusable serving dishes. And early this week, the airline announced it will be trading some of its plastic coffee cups for edible versions instead. Uh, the cups for this trial run are being produced by Twice, an Auckland company whose edible wares are currently being used in more than a dozen coffee shops throughout the country. Uh, it's terrific that Air New Zealand has partnered uh, with the company to showcase its customers around the world uh, that a little bit of Kiwi ingenuity and innovation could have really positive impact on the environment while at the same time delivering a really cool and tasty customer experience. Is Alfie like? Biscotti biscuits. I think he does. I think that's why he's so excited. I think that's why he's so excited. I think it's because yeah. mum went out and she's just come home. I think oh, okay. that's why he's all excited. So the cups <laughs> themselves are made from vanilla flavoured biscotti biscuits, the airline says. It's been a hit with customers who've nibbled on them so far. Uh, in addition to being used for coffee, they can also double as ice cream dishes. Uh, Air New Zealand has also uh, permanently switched to paper and corn based cups on its aircraft in all of its lounges. Uh, and a change that will keep an estimated 15 million plastic cups out of landfills. Unfortunately, the plant-based versions don't taste like vanilla. According to the BBC, some flyers uh, with allergies or dietary restrictions have expressed concerns about the ingredients list, and Air New Zealand has confirmed that the cups are made with eggs, uh, whilst uh, Twice says that they contain gluten and may contain traces of dairy or nuts. Uh, in 2017, KFC restaurants in the UK started serving coffee in edible cookie cups, which were all wrapped in a red logo did, and did, sugar paper, and sealed with a vanilla icing. A handful of other bakeries and cafes have also experimented with edible cups, ranging from sculptured coffee mugs to shot glasses made from cookies and to chocolate-covered waffle cones that are a crucial part of a coffee-in-a-cone experience. So mm. good on Air New Zealand uh, for this. Yeah, I mean, the pictures I mean, actually look quite nice. They do, don't they? Yeah, they, look very, they do look very edible. Edible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, off the back of this, this is this is very early doors, isn't it? Mm. Uh, it's very early doors. So I, I I understand why people. Cause, I mean, I know a lot of people who've got gluten intolerances and you know, people who have got like wheat allergies. They've got um, you know uh, dairy allergies, etc. So I, I completely get get their concerns. But of course, I mean, this is the first attempt at doing it. I mean, people will now strive to make that's something that's idea, much though. more much more. Uh, well, of course, you haven't got the waste, so you eat mm. it afterwards. You eat it's it. absolutely. <laughs> it, it's it's fantastic. It's, oh. There's not really not a lot to not like about this, is there? Because biscotti is quite a, quite a dense biscuit. Nice biscuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it tastes they must nice. have to do something to make it. Because mm. the trouble is, if anybody's ever dunked a biscuit into a coffee, normally uh, just <laughs> including a yeah. biscotti biscuit, it will essentially you just know disintegrate, disintegrate, which is exactly. lovely. Uh, nice chewy supply, surprise at the bottom of it. But uh, uh, Masha says she'd really quite like to try that. You know. Yeah, uh, in the chat room, I, there. she says, I, "I'd love to try that." Well, I'm, 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 I'm with Vasher. I think that'd be amazing. C yeah. Captain Al would probably just eat the cups without the coffee. Uh, well, I don't know. Is, is he not a coffee <laughs> anyway? Yes. He, actually, no. Captain Al would have these filled with ice cream. Of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did mention that ice cream as, as an option, certainly. So yeah, oh. that's the way forward. Anyway, on to the next. Uh, oh, story. this next story is good news for 
Airbus. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised really off the back of what we were talking about earlier. You know, Boeing are obviously uh, perhaps not everybody's favourite airline at the moment. This is on the simpleflying.com website. And the headline is Airbus surpasses 20,000 commercial aircraft orders. So Airbus commercial aircraft numbers have hit a special number in November uh, with 222 orders added last month. The European aircraft manufacturer has logged over 20,000 commercial aircraft orders on its books. Uh, The number is cumulative and represents all orders taken since the company was started uh, it's a great milestone for manufacturers which uh, for the manufacturer which has experienced a great deal of success just in 2019 alone uh, as you can see uh, so on Airbus's order page uh, we can see how orders break down within that 20,000 plus figure divided by family so the A300 310 is uh, 816 the A220 which is a very popular aircraft now isn't it uh, that's the slash uh, 320 model uh, that's 15,865 so the a330 that's uh, that's the, both the 340 and the 350 variants 3126 uh, and uh, a slightly disappointing number here a380 251 uh, but, uh, Most yeah. of which are Emirates. Well, yes, indeed. As you can see, with the 15,865 orders, the Airbus A220, A320 family of aircraft represents nearly 80% of total orders. Uh, of course, several factors explain this huge number. Firstly, the A300 310 programs have been discontinued, and the A380 production will be ending soon. Furthermore, there is certainly more des- demand for smaller aircraft as they fill the fleets of large flag carriers. Uh, small regional airlines and low-cost budget airlines. Lastly, the A320 family of jets has been re-engined, giving the programmes further longevity whilst allowing them to retain the same model name. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, as I say, it's not really, uh, certainly their success in 2019, I guess, is not that much of a shock, mm. given obviously people are, I, I guess, understandably nervous about Boeing and their Max. I wonder, I wonder uh, if they're taking on staff because obviously with this massive uh, backlog of and orders of aircraft, yeah, you know the Airbus factory must they must be like you know advertising for um, for staff to come and work there. Um, well, yeah, with quite. all this backlog of aircraft. Well. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you, you, you can't argue with the success, though, can you? I mm. mean, as you say, they've got to be doing something to fulfil those orders. Or perhaps they're not. Perhaps they're just sticking with their existing... Because if something's been so successful, you'd almost sort of expect them to romp up production, do you know what I mean? And sort of, you know, concentrate resources. Actually, I saw a story last night online. Um, it was actually on Instagram. Mm. And um, one of my favourite airlines, my favourite country, Air Malta, they're actually now committed to, uh, they're going to be purchasing um, some new A320 Neos. And also, okay. they're, they're actually also, shockingly, I couldn't believe this, uh, it was announced at a press conference in Malta that they're going to actually buy a couple of A320, uh, A321s. Okay. Um, to do some uh, longer longer distance flying from wow. Malta. So, okay. um yeah, um, yeah, they're they're a big Airbus lover as well. Mm. So yes, uh, so we'll move on to the next story. Uh, it's got a slightly festive feel to it. Oh, so we're going to hand things over to Armando for uh, the next story. Guys, I feel like I'm reaching Carlos level with with finding aviation stories on ScaryMommy.com, and this is <laughs> a nice heartwarming Christmas story. This was actually from last year, but I think it's relevant this year. Uh, So while Christmas is widely accepted as a time where people should be spending with their families, that just isn't always possible. Some people have to do their jobs, and we've gotten 
pretty good at recognizing the sacrifice made by people like doctors and police and firefighters, but one person that most of us have probably overlooked that has to work on holidays is your flight attendant, and I'll add your flight crew. Hal Vaughn, whose daughter, Pierce Vaughn, is a flight attendant with, with Delta Airlines, certainly didn't overlook his daughter's work schedule last Christmas. Pierce was scheduled to work on six different flights on Christmas Day and the day after, so she wasn't able to be with her family. So her father, Hal, grabbed a seat on each and every one of those six flights so he could spend Christmas with his daughter. Mike Levy was uh, sat next to Hal in first class on their fight, flight from Fort Myers, Florida to Detroit, Michigan. He snapped a selfie of himself and Hal, as well as a photo of a smiling Pierce, and uploaded it to Facebook, where his description of this dad's sweet Christmas deed went viral. There's some great pictures here. He says, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Hal on my flight home. His daughter, Pierce, was our flight attendant who had to work over Christmas. Hal decided he would spend the holiday with her. So he is flying on each one of her legs today and tomorrow uh, around the country to spend time with his daughter. What a fantastic father. Wish you both a very happy Christmas. Um, yeah, so... You know, as the holidays are coming up, we've just had Thanksgiving. We got Christmas coming up to all of us in the aviation industry. Um, have a Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. And I hope you get to see some family. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a lovely picture, mm. isn't it? It's uh, It seems like a very extreme length to go to, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I think the, these are kind of these are regional flights, I'd imagine, um, within the U.S. So I'd imagine these are these are fairly kind of cheap you know flights to book and i, I expect if you he, you know being a, pa a member of the family you probably get kind of discount, discount. Such yeah. for that. so um yeah alfie's also excited alfie's about that. excited yeah, as well he's what's the matter with him today he's normally so quiet <laughs> no, but it is, it's, it's nice obviously because we all have we have to remember you know that uh, in the industry that we uh, we all know and love that yeah. uh, families and friends do work oh yeah the christmas period absolutely um and not everyone gets to spend christmas yeah. day and boxing absolutely. day with uh, with their family with, with their family which is always a shame but uh, you know hey somebody some you know not everybody celebrates christmas i mean there's a there's not in comparison um that not you know the entire world doesn't celebrate christmas to be fair if i work within the aviation industry yeah. i would probably just say yeah i'll work christmas day yeah yeah but you're a bit day. you're a bit bar humbuggy about <laughs> christmas this year <laughs> yes. aren't you? yeah honestly what you like oh so moving on to the next story uh which is on the business traveler.com website mm. and uh we talk on the show every now and again about uh, new seat innovations uh, oh. obviously we have the standing seats with ryan and right, we spoke yes. about them uh, <laughs> but this uh, this one is new folding seats folding airline seats right. mm. <laughs> so hopefully matt will be able to put a picture up on these because these are I'll try. Interesting. We're seats, having some technical to say issues, the, uh, to say the least. So, yeah. uh, while business class seats have been getting more spacious, more comfortable, and uh, private over the years, the direction of travel for economy seats has been less luxurious. Airlines are focused on packing more passengers into narrower seats in configurations up to ten across. Occasionally, they have created an additional legroom by making seats thinner, also conveniently reducing aircraft weight, therefore fuel burn. Uh, but broadly speaking, the seats at the back the aircraft look much the same as they did uh, throughout the 20th century. So how to improve the experience, assuming airlines aren't out to shift the business model and provide bigger and better economy seats, that's a significant extra cost to themselves. 
Yesterday, British company New Territory unveiled one possible answer, adding two wings within the seat back that can be folded out on both sides, allowing passengers to rest their head while also adding a layer of privacy uh, from the seat next to it. Uh, the wings are padded for comfort and have lateral support to prevent movement. They can be manually folded out by passengers, um, with um, Luke Miles, New Territory's founder and chief creative officer, describing them as like origami. <laughs> so it looks like a simple change, but having tried out the prototype yesterday, he said, business traveller can confirm it was very comfortable. Uh, although it would certainly significantly improve the experience you have trav uh, uh, travelling in economy on uh, when you're on your own or in an aisle seat or in the middle seat uh, within the premium or economy cabins especially with the seat reclined there was a real increase in privacy and it would allow you to position yourself into a more comfortable sleeping position without feeling like you were intruding on the passenger next to you a couple of issues uh, seemed likely that they could emerge such as quick wear of the seats from being handled and moved uh, from the seat passenger behind while configuring it uh, the wings are also very robust they do say this prototype uh, this is a the actual prototype here is still very robust, uh, they told Business Traveller. It's simple but effective, and you can have uh, have it as a kind of bay for yourself to sit in. Oh. Um, the big thing is that it gives you ability to sleep more easily. Now, having a look at these seats on the story, uh, Matt, on the picture that mm. it has on here. They look quite comfortable, actually. They look comfy, and I suppose, yeah, they do add privacy, I suppose, to um, to the seat itself. But those seats do look incredibly thin. Yeah, but you know, I, again, I mean, we've said this before, isn't it? Where technology has moved on, things like my, you know, the micro, microfibers and all that kind of thing, it's much easier to, um, um, much easier to make the seats uh, sort of, you know, more comfortable at, or as comfortable as the old seats, but without having the need for massive amounts of cushioning and stuff. Mm. I mean, things like memory foam and stuff have really changed everything from the thickness of mattresses to, to you know, sort of cushions and stuff, haven't they? So mm. I, I guess that it's just using new, newer technology to sort of, you know, get the same level of comfort that perhaps you would need a lot more padding for in the past. I mean, the seats were comfortable enough in economy yesterday mm. um, with BA. Their how new, old, how their old was the aircraft seats. you were on yesterday? Yeah, it was probably it was one of their older Dash 8s, so right. it's probably about four or five years old. I'm amazed that you don't know the exact model number, the year it was made, the oh, first time it rolled off do the you know production what? I, line. I didn't actually do that yesterday. What? Um, because slipping. We got up yeah. so early. <laughs> oh, right, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, actually, on that note, a big thanks to uh, to the guys at Heathrow Tower for putting us on a remote stand at Terminal 5 yesterday, and we had to deplane using air stairs. Ooh, oh, now, Jen <laughs> Niffer will have been so excited no, about that. These, no, these were not the truck ones. These are just like the, the freestanding. Oh, free yeah. Right, okay. We, oh. were, we were in such a remote stand at Terminal right. 5 at Heathrow, okay. we had to get off and get a bus. Do you think Nigel had upset the uh, the uh, the uh, the tower in some way, perhaps? Uh, possibly, possibly, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we had we had to bust to the terminal five. Which wow, was a okay. Bit, uh, <laughs> I didn't we know they still we, did that. And it was a good five or six minute bus journey <laughs> right, from the gosh, aircraft okay. to the terminal building. <laughs> wow. So thanks, thanks to the guys at Heathrow Tower well, for uh, just what you need right at the very end of your. But your in holiday. their defence, yeah. in their defence, the the, uh, the FO did say before we got off the aircraft that we had arrived twenty five minutes early, okay. and we probably so, and they hadn't. 
hadn't been caught the, them on the yeah. On the perhaps fly. the stand that they that that you should have been at wasn't vacant. Yeah, there possibly. was every possibility but, it could have um, still occupied. Of course. Anyway, on to the next, next story. story, and uh, this is on the Forbes dot com website, and the headline is United Airlines to buy fifty ultra long range Airbus A three twenty one XLR aircraft in an estimated six billion dollar. Deals. Wow! All very exciting, isn't it? So United Airlines just announced that it's purchasing purchasing fifty new A three twenty one XLR aircraft from Airbus. The carrier plans to use the long range jet to replace and retire its aging fleet of Boeing seven five seven dash two hundred aircraft, the last of which was built in two thousand and four. Uh, United says that the A three twenty one XLR lowers overall fuel burn per seat by thirty percent compared to previous generation aircraft. Uh, the plane can fly at its listed cruising speed of 514 miles per hour for more than nine hours. The uh, lower fuel burn combined with greater fuel storage um, uh, gives the A A321 XLR a, a listed range of 4,700 nautical miles. It also brings uh, United closer to its goal of reducing its carbon footprint by 50% relative to 2005 levels by 2050. Although the A321 XLR can carry up to 244 passengers in a single class layout, um, an Airbus source uh, has said that United will seat around 170 to allow for lie flat beds mm. in the business class cabin. Uh, the plane will also offer LED lighting, larger overhead bin space and Wi-Fi connectivity. The A321 XLR is part of the successful A320 family of single aisle jetliners, which includes the A318, A319 Neo, the new engine option, uh, the A320 Neo and the A321 Neo. Airbus, whose tagline for planes is unbeatable fuel economy say that they have over 7,000 orders for the A320 family aircraft which sort of ties in nicely with the, mm. the story we had uh, earlier United which will begin receiving the A321 XLR in 2024 plans to use it on transatlantic routes from its east coast hubs of Newark and Washington uh, It also it's also possible uh, that the plane's long range will let United fly it to Europe from Chicago O'Hare. Oh, cool. Uh, the distance for uh, uh, from Ord to uh, Paris, uh, Charles de Gaulle, obviously, is about 6,656 uh, kilometres or 3,600 nautical miles, putting the route well within range of the A321 XLR. Good to see that on the story that um, this is on. If you go scroll down further to the story, they've um, got a picture of the A380. Oh, have they? Right, okay. Just as well, Nev's not here. He mm. will have picked up on that. But yes. uh, no, it's yeah, good there news. You go. there, 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 in fact, there is the story that I was I was reading. Look, and uh, as uh, as mentioned, oh, it's leaving those chemtrails. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Right, so do you think that's a doctor picture by each Nasty chemtrails. The angles are all wrong and everything there, aren't they? <laughs> It it's, does look a bit weird that picture. Does, to be absolutely. fair, absolutely. There's something not right there. Definitely. No, I want to. Um, I want to. I've not, as of yet. I've uh, I've been on the um, A321, but not the A321 XLR. Mm. Be nice to uh, have some feedback from uh, listeners if you've been on one of these aircraft, flown on one of these uh, A321 XLRs, to see what they're like inside. One of the things I will make a note. It says on here about the uh, the Wi-Fi and stuff mm. that. Um, Wi-Fi connectivity on these 321s yeah. with United. Um, we never had that yesterday on the Dreamliner. Yeah. No, no Wi-Fi at all. Oh. Not, a, not, a, not a smidgen of Wi-Fi. Okay. Although it was on the 350 and the 747 that we flew on to right. Dubai a few okay. weeks ago. 
Uh, well, perhaps that's a you know, that's perhaps they haven't put it on for whatever. Perhaps it wasn't mm. originally intended to use that to be used for that room. Mm. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, anything so is possible. Yeah, moving on to absolutely. the next story, yeah. and uh, this next story is brought to us uh, from Armando. So, Armando, if you're ready. Uh. <laughs> so this. Story is from General Aviation News, and it's for anybody that's interested in becoming a professional pilot. And it goes a a new three-year program designed to alleviate the pilot shortage. So this new program from Purdue University, they've launched, designed to get pilots into workforce a year earlier. A new three-year program was introduced this year by Purdue University's Polytechnic Institute, uh, with the new program being a win-win, according to officials, who note it will get more flight students trained in and in the air a year sooner. It is also expected to save students $20,000 to $30,000 in tuition and living expenses. So there is a global shortage of pilots and we are part of the solution, said uh, engineering professor of aviation technology and the head of the School of Aviation and Transportation Technology. This is the first year for the new program with new flight students starting their students in the, their studies in the summer. They will complete the traditional four-year program in three years, according to the officials. The new simulator technology is a key factor in this program. Purdue's Hawker 900 XP full-flight uh, full simulator, which uses the latest technology, began operations in September. The simulator is qualified at the highest level by the FAA, helping students earn qualifications as a pilot or second-in-command. The new program also utilizes summertime flying, according to Brian Dillman, Associate Professor in Aviation and Transportation Technology. The three-year program leverages better flying weather during Indiana's summers and improves our aircraft utilization, which is a win-win solution for all. The program comes as worries continue about the shortage of pilots in the aviation industry. The pilot numbers have dropped almost 30% in the last 30 years because fewer new pilots are entering the industry, according to information from the FAA. In addition to getting students into the job market sooner, partnerships between Purdue and the airline industry also allow students to earn specific technical proficiency for Airbus, Boeing, and other manufacturers before they graduate. I mean, this is great news, isn't it? Mm. It's one of those stories that makes me wish I was 20 years younger. <laughs> Only 20? <laughs> yeah, at least. You know, to go back and, and have the ability to to, uh, to do kind of this kind of program like this yeah. and have the yeah, flight definitely. training funded and, and stuff, I think it provides that extra mm. level of um, um, availability to Do you know what I've just noticed? People. What's that? He shaved his beard off. Did he? He's got no beard. Yeah. Beardless Armando. Yeah, which is how it was for many, many years, to be fair. It's, mm. But I suppose, I suppose with the excitement of the new job, perhaps one has to be a little bit more clean. Perhaps he's, he stuck his head out the window whilst, um, you know, flying and it just... Right, <laughs> okay. Possibly. D is that a thing? You know he flies fast. R right, yeah, of course, yeah. That would be the military background. Mm. <laughs> but, um, no, these uh, they could have gone about the pilot shortage and mm. stuff. Airlines need to, to, to pull the fingers out of their proverbials and offer more programs I do, for, I do, um, I do for feel people. that the airline could the airlines could do more to um, sort of help with the pilot shortage I mean you know they it's it's very commonplace if, for example in the coaching industry where a lot of people will actually help you to pass your your and test then tie you into a kind of and then tie you into a sort of five-year deal or yeah, a three-year yeah, yeah. deal yeah. Or, you know and if you leave before that you have to pay some of it back or whatever i'm sure there are ways that uh, that you know that the industry could help itself yeah if you like to 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 help with the, the this shortage but I guess 
you know, it, it, it's, it's quite a financial commitment, isn't it? To oh, yeah, help, definitely. Help, and yeah. for the parents as well. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, the, that's what I mean. It's more, mm. you know, why why aren't the airlines doing more themselves to, to solve this issue? You know? Yeah. So uh, going on to the next story, and uh, this one is on the font-loving Flight Global. <laughs> and uh, the headline on here, Air France uh, tests autonomous baggage uh, truck oh, at dear. Toulouse. <laughs> now, obviously, we've all seen uh, these uh, autonomous vehicles at airports being trialled and stuff, but this is a, a baggage truck, which is quite nice. So Air France has embarked on tests with a driverless autonomous baggage tractor which is being used to deliver luggage to aircraft at Toulouse Airport. Developed by a cooperation between ground vehicle manufacturer Chaliat and autonomous system specialist Navaya, the AT135 tractor known as Autonom Tract <laughs> operates between the baggage area and sorting area and the aircraft stands. Testing the vehicle under real airport conditions commenced on the 15th of November this year. The test is the first step to a more widespread rollout of autonomous vehicles at our airport, say Air France. Uh, once the baggage sorting facility receives passengers' luggage, an Air France sub subcontractor places the items uh, carefully <coughs> uh, in containers <laughs> attached to the tractor's train. Uh, the location of the Air France aircraft on which the baggage is de destined to be loaded is programmed into the unit through a touchscreen um, into the navigation system on board the truck. It then departs on a route the aircraft uh, uh, to, uh, to the aircraft stand using a 360-degree detection uh, system and decision-making technology and stops nearby, allowing ground personnel to retrieve the baggage and load it on manually to the flight before the tractor is then dispatched back along its arrival route to the sorting area. The test is a concrete step to designing a smart airport, more innovative and uh, connected and more efficient to customers, says Toulouse Airport Chairman Philippe Crebassa. Uh, now, Matt was just running the video through there, um, and uh, these trucks are obviously, these are ones that were originally manned, um, they've had the autonomous system put on board. And that's these. the only thing that bothers me about this story. What, it's doing someone out of a job? It's doing someone out of <laughs> yeah, a job. Yeah. And there are so many... I mean, everybody who listens to this show would do anything to do anything at an airport. Oh, I'd quite yeah, happily drive Absolutely. It. Yeah. You know, this, this is the thing. Is That's more about the excitement. Uh, you know... I mean, these have definitely it, got it to be on their A game. Me. I mean, they're a great idea. Don't get me wrong. I, I get why this is being developed. But, you know, this is only going to lead to people losing losing their job, isn't it? That, that, yeah. That's the only outcome. It's a while out, yeah, I from think. It. Yeah, maybe, but, you know... But I tell you what. When, after seeing how busy that uh, ramp was yesterday yeah. uh, on our remote stand at Heathrow, um, yeah. and you know seeing the, the things whizzing around baggage carts, yeah. you know all the different vehicles and stuff that are at the airport, these have definitely got to be really good at not hitting things because right. they are yeah, a busy yeah. area, yeah, busy well, area. Mean, there are there are even uh, you know only only because during our CPC. Uh, training mm. course. I mean, there are driverless trucks now that, is, that yeah. you know that you can you can go out. Well, I mean, they're manned for the moment, but essentially the driver can put his feet up um, and <laughs> sort of the thing will actually do do it yeah. on its own. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I just I just feel is, like isn't that what the uh, isn't that what flight deck crews do? Hit the autopilot button. 
right, put okay. Feet up. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe in an Airbus because it's got they've an got auto the tray there. They've they got the auto land button and yeah. the Airbus auto start. Yeah, I mm. don't know. I don't know. I just think, it, I just, <laughs> as I say, I, my worry is it's doing people out of yeah, work. That's the main thing. When it, yeah. they don't need to put people out of work. I mean, it's not like these airports aren't profitable. Let's be honest. So, I don't know. No, I've seen the price what's of the, the matter, food. There. What's the matter with humans? <laughs> What is the matter with having humans involved? Anyway, on to the next story. This is on the Flight Global, and the headline is the SIA. Is it SIA or SIA? How am I supposed to say that? Singapore Airlines Cargo. Right, okay. So it's the SIA, SIA Cargo 747 freighter involved in engine pod strike. Mm. Uh, so the Australian Transport Safety Bureau, the ATSB, is investigating an engine pod strike uh, involving a Singapore Airlines cargo freighter uh, that occurred on the evening of the 28th of November. Uh, the Boeing 747-400F uh, registered uh, 9 Victor Sierra Foxtrot Oscar was performing a missed approach procedure at Sydney Airport when the number one engine pod struck the ground during the go-around. Oh, wow. Uh, Responding to Flight Global's queries, SIA says the subsequent landing was uneventful. Engineers assessed the damage to the aircraft and a decision was made to delay the outbound flight, SIA says. Uh, The ATSB has classified the incident as serious and will collect evidence and other relevant information. It is unclear if there was any other damage to the aircraft. The ATSB anticipates investigations to wrap up by the second quarter of next year. Uh, the SIA said, why does it take so long to, to do something like that? Second quarter of next year, so you're looking sort of more or less summertime. Uh, next year. Anyway, the SIA says that there were two, crembe- two there were two crew members with no passengers on board the aircraft. Singapore Airlines is cooperating fully with the ATSB and Singapore's Transport Safety Investigation Bureau, and is also undertaking its own investigation into the incident. The airline adds, uh, Syrian Fleet's data shows that the Pratt and Whitney PW4000 powered freighter was first delivered to SIA in 2004. It suffered major damage. in 2006 as a result of an unspecified incident and was stored at Brussels for repairs. That's interesting. This aircraft's been dinged a bit, hasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it's had a bit of a rough (laughs) life. A rough life, really, yeah. Poor little thing. But, uh, yeah, engine pod strike. It's been interesting to see... uh, Now, I mean, there are lots of pilots uh, who listen to this show and people who will be far more understanding of the procedures involved in this than perhaps me and Carlos. I'm just intrigued to know why an investigation of this nature, I suppose you could say any investigation these days, like even when you have an investigation, like, you know, I can understand why it might take one month or two months to sort of gather all the data and this kind of thing, but perhaps somebody could explain to me why in this day and age it takes until the second quarter of 2020 uh, before they're able to release a, a report. I mean, this just sort of we might find out in the, fu- in the near future. Oh, really? Hopefully, if I can um, g up the guest I've got, uh, oh, okay. hopefully g'd up to come on the show. Right. Okay. Well, no. I mean, because it's fascinating. I mean, you know, mm. I, I'm sure there's a very good reason why it takes all this time mm. to, to do it, but I, I can't. It, my, my very limited knowledge, I can't mm. see why. So the uh, last story in the news folder this week uh, is uh, is on the uh, Flight Global website again. We're using and abusing them this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, China Airlines picks Pratt & Whitney to power the A321neo. China Airlines has selected Pratt & Whitney uh, engines for its fleet of A321neo aircraft. The PW1000 
11100G engine will cover up to 30 A321neos that China Airlines has on order uh, on option. Uh, the SkyTeam carrier has also signed with Pratt & Whitney for long-term engine support under the engine maker's engine-wise comprehensive service agreement. Yes, you know, you get those with cars, you get them with engines, look. But you certainly bit, do. I bet it's more a month, though. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, China Airlines first disclosed plans to lease A321neos for regional narrow-bodied operations in May at the Paris Air Show. A month later, the carrier confirmed uh, decisions ordering 11 and leasing another 14. It later added more 321neos in October via lease from a U.S. lesser air lease. Uh, Second Fleet's uh, or Serum Fleet's data indicates the airline has 88 aircraft currently in operation including 14 A350-900s and 23 A330-300s. Uh, now, for those of you who watched the show, uh, we obviously we had the interview, didn't we? Uh, was it last week with Nev, who interviewed the uh, guy at Pratt? Oh, at, at Pratt, yeah, Pratt yeah, and Whitney, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, big engine manufacturer in, mm. in the US and a popular manufacturer as well. Um, it's uh, safe to say that um, you know it's uh, one of those kind of things where I think we all know how much engines cost. You know, mm. when when aircraft are retired to uh, the, the boneyards and desert yards. Mm. Airline uh, engines are sold for quite a considerable amount of yeah. money yeah, on the second-hand yeah. market, but um, obviously with these brand new shiny engines from Pratt and Whitney, um, obviously China Airlines mm. have thought, well, we'll have those. Mm. Actually, going back to the previous story, um, Masher has just uh, uh, said in the chat room here: if you ever read the NTSB or equivalent local agency reports, uh, they are extremely detailed. They really have no stone unturned. I'm not. I'm not that surprised that they take that long. That's mm. fair comment. No, that is fair comment. Yeah. So that uh, completes the commercial news segment mm. for this week. So coming up next, we've got some listener feedback Ooh, that's have. been yes, sent absolutely. in by listener Evan Shu. Yeah. Uh, I got a chance to have a little preview of this, actually, last oh, did you? night. Oh, I sat in, while I was doing the show notes, I sat, oh, I see. sat and right. to okay. this. Yeah. And uh, Evan uh, talks on this about uh, his GA flying, his latest mm -hmm. GA flying, and uh, about flying, oh, well, thick, thick, you know, one thing I never thought about in, in, in Australia, thick, thick fog. Thick fog, really? Thick fog. Okay. Uh, dust storms. I mean, okay. obviously, yeah, with dust storms. And uh, we're going to bring that right to you. Indeed. Right uh, thanks, as always, to Nev for the production on this, by yeah. the way, as well. Good day, PT UK. It's Evan here from Down Under. I just thought I'd drop you a quick message to uh, tell you about some of the flying adventures I've had in the uh, second half of 2019. So the uh, first one was uh, up to the Ralston Air Park, and they call it the uh, Celebration of Aviation. It's a, a weekend event. The Ralston Air Park is a private air park with hangars being built and some houses so people will live actually on the airport. It's got two grass runways and I got to fly an Astralis Cirrus which is like the premium model designed for Australia so I was a little bit chuffed that I was uh, allowed to uh, borrow that one and it was my first underwing camping experience. Uh, luckily, the weather was really, really great. It was really nice during the day. Uh, a little bit cold at night time, but uh, the only downside was there was thick fog each morning. So some people trying to fly in in the morning had to wait in uh, nearby airports. The event itself was uh, an excellently run event. Uh, lots of food vendors and uh, entertainment in the evenings. And 
the vibe was just very positive. It was just a really nice weekend. And the gentleman that I parked my plane next to actually is a, a customer of ours and kindly took me for a ride in his Tiger Moth. So that was really nice. So that was my first underwing camping event. Then later on in September, we flew up to uh, Parks, which is also in New South Wales. And uh, this is an event called Air Venture Australia. Uh, we had a fun time at the event despite some difficult weather. It was incredibly dry in that region and uh, a dust storm actually blew in and forced the whole site to be evacuated for a few hours. They had quite strong winds and they were concerned about the marquees that they'd set up. So uh, thankfully the front passed through and the final day was almost perfect. Um, the event itself was trying to be a little bit too commercialized um, so yeah it was just didn't have the same um, chilled out vibe but uh, we had a great time as a team because uh, it was a rare trip away that the whole team was uh, in attendance so uh, yeah so that was that was quite good um, the flight home was really good except for we were a bit worried about last light so we couldn't uh, mess about on the way home we had to uh, get going and uh, yeah, keep an eye on the time. Then in October we flew back to uh, New South Wales, this time a place called Narromine and it was uh, for an event called Ozfly which is run by AOPA and also the SAAA which is the uh, Sport Aircraft Association of Australia. They're the home builders and kit build and experimental aircraft association. There was a bit of tricky weather to get out of Melbourne. We'd had uh, rain uh, the night before, about 10 mil, and uh, we had to time our departure from Moorabbin to go in between bands of showers that would come through. Thankfully, it was uh, in the end, once we got going, um, we were able to pick the gap and it was fine. And on the way up, we got out of the Melbourne area and we actually climbed up through a, a big hole in the clouds right up to 10,000 feet uh, to get above the clouds and where it was smoother and better, um, better winds. And uh, yeah, it was my first time flying as high as 10,000 feet. And then on the way down, we got my uh, personal best ground speed. Uh, it was 212 knots, which was uh, <laughs> pretty exciting. Uh, it made for some uh, yeah, an, uh, exciting arrival into uh, Naramine. Uh, we camped under wing once again, and this was right near where all of the event happened. It was a little bit of a dust storm that came in on Saturday. It uh, forced the planned dinner under the stars uh, indoors, but uh, when I got back to my tent on the Saturday night, there was a blanket of dust covering almost everything. So that was a bit of a shock and uh, after having a couple of libations. But other than that, it was a very enjoyable and sociable weekend. The area itself has been hit hard by drought recently and uh, we were very happy to be able to support the local aero club and the soaring club by you know, purchasing delicious meals and drinks and uh, just generally giving them some support. So they were very happy to uh, host us. Uh, the flight home was yeah, uneventful, except for a couple of lowish clouds around the Melbourne area. 
And then finally, just more recently, I finally got to take one of my oldest friends for a fly. His name's Andrew. He's my best man at my wedding. And when he turned 40 in January, I uh, promised I'd take him for a flight for his birthday present. Well, we tried two or three times through the year to actually get a date that would work for the both of us. Um, but uh, yeah, so we ended up, it took us all the way until November to get a date. It was good because it was really worthwhile trip. I always wanted to go and see the uh, Wilson's Promontory, which is a little area in the south of Victoria. And uh, we'd camped there and hiked there as uh, as teenagers, but I really wanted to see it from the air, so this was a great opportunity. So uh, yeah, we headed out of Moorabbin. This particular day, we'd had some bad weather in the lead up to it, but this day was quite nice, so it was really busy at Moorabbin. Andrew got the full idea of how organised craziness Moorabbin is. There was even a guy that uh, dropped the F-bomb on the radio because he had a, uh, a door pop open on takeoff. And uh, when he came back around, the tower had cleared him to land again. And uh, he accidentally had lined up on the wrong runway. And when he noticed, he uh, said, oh, I've run, <laughs> lined up on the wrong runway. Oh, and then dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> So yes, uh, that's that's another first for me. I haven't heard the F-bomb on the, the aviation radio before. But the rest of the flight went, uh, yeah, without without any worries at all. We, uh, we um, cruised down to Wilson's Prom, dropped down to about, uh, about 1,300 or 1,400 feet over the, uh, the, um, the water um, and cruised around the promontory. I got to see the lighthouse, which is the, the very southern tip. And uh, once we were clear of the more sensitive areas, we actually dropped down to 500 feet over the beach and just cruised along the beach, which was awesome fun. Andrew had a wonderful time. He seemed to really enjoy himself. Um, it was his first time as an adult in a small aircraft, which is really cool. He had one flight in a Cessna when he was um, a young kid. Uh, but uh, he barely remembers it so yeah this was a very different experience for him so yeah that's what I've been up to in the last few months um, I've hopefully got some more flights planned over the, the summer if summer ever comes here um, it's been quite cold windy and, and wet um, so far so anyway I uh, just thought I'd let you know that and uh, Thanks again for all the great work you've been doing, PTUK. Um, have a great 2020. Oh, thanks, Evan. Thanks, great Evan. video. And thanks to Nick awesome. for putting that together for us as well. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, keep those coming, please. Do you know, some when you look at, views, look at the they? scenery, oh, when you look at the yeah. views and stuff there, I mean, I know obviously in the US you get some great views yeah. when you're flying GA yeah. out there. And in the UK we get some good views. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if it's ever not raining. If it's yeah. ever not raining. Yeah, but yeah. In, in Australia, those, you know, some of those views and stuff. And fog, just fog. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. but uh, see, I would never have thought in a million years that in in somewhere like Australia you would get fog, thick fog. I can't get my head around that. I literally yeah. cannot get my head around it. <laughs> I mean, dust storms, like we said. Yeah, yeah. dust storms. Yeah, but then I'm mean, like, yeah. Dubai's famous for those as well, isn't it? You, you yeah, know, there yeah. are certain times of the day where you have to go inside because of a dust storm. Do you know the day after we flew back mm. to the UK from Dubai from the air show, it absolutely poured. 
with rain. With rain, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I've had a, a, a um, say one of my friends lives out there, uh, had sent a couple of videos actually of like actual rain. torrential downpours yeah. in like where it's literally flooding uh, malls and everything. I mean, it, yeah. like where it, when it when it when barely rains in Dubai, but boy, when it does. <laughs> funny, funny enough, the, one of the people that we spoke to who got us the access to the control tower at Omar at, at Dubai, sorry, at mm. the air show, said that the uh, conference, the actual center, the actual uh, inside exhibition center yeah. at Dubai, where the air show is, they built the roofs in such a way with gullies, so the roofs are pitched with gullies in the middle, okay. and apparently because the sand is obviously sand, lots of sand blowing around, yeah. the sand fills the gullies. Right. Uh, blocks the uh, obviously the the downpipes for the water, yeah, yeah. and when it rains heavily, the water just builds up, builds up, builds up on the roof. And a few a few years back, they had an air show in Dubai, and oh, it well, rained it heavily, yeah. and apparently parts of the ceiling collapsed because oh, of the weight of the, weight. Of the water and oh, sand uh, on the roof. Wow, so, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks, Evan. Do please yeah, thanks, Evan. keep those coming. In. Uh, feel free uh, if you're listening and inspired by that. Feel inspired. free to send in. Uh, any videos that you've been doing, any flying or whatever. And don't forget, uh, you can WhatsApp us, Matt. You can, yes, absolutely. It's plus Woo! four four. He's, oh, he's on me, sorry. On it you. is plus four four seven five seven double two four nine one six six. So it's plus four four or zero if you're in the UK. Uh, seven five seven double two four nine one six six. So next up, then, we have got uh, the military segment. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yes. And if you're ready, Armando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This first military story is from Flight Global and it is regarding the Air Force's new search for a Airborne Command Control and Communications Operations Center to replace the Boeing E-4B and the service is asking for U.S. defense manufacturers for input. The Survivable Airborne Operations Center weapon system, the SAOC, is to replace the legacy E-4B National Airborne Operations Center, which is a militarized version of a Boeing 747-200, which is approaching the end of its service life, according to USAF pre-solicitation notice posted on December 4th. The SAOC is a linchpin of the U.S. Department of Defense National Military Command System. It is designed to be a mobile battle command for the U.S. President, the Secretary of Defense, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In the case of national, in case of a national emergency or destruction of ground command and control centers, the SAOC aircraft will provide a highly survivable command, control, and communications platform to direct U.S. forces, execute emergency war orders, or coordinate actions by civil authorities. Additionally, the SAOC provides outside the continental United States travel support for the Secretary of Defense and his staff to ensure statutory command and control connectivity. The U.S. Air Force has four E-4Bs in its fleet, and it is looking for the next SAOX to be based uh, on a commercial derivative aircraft as well. One likely candidate 
For the next aerial command center is the Boeing 747-8, which is also the base variant for the VC-25 Bravo. The next Air Force One, the VC-25 Bravo will replace the VC-25 Alpha, which is based on the 747-200 also. However, production of the Boeing 747 is facing uncertainty after the commercial aircraft's fuselage supplier, Triumph, started to shut down its Hawthorne, California factory last month. Boeing has about three years of orders, 18 aircraft, in its backlog as of 30 September and has not announced the end of the aircraft's production. Specifications for the Pentagon's next command and control aircraft are not given in the notice, though the Air Force says it intends to release information to interested defense companies during its first industry day in February 2020 at Hanscom Air Force Base in Massachusetts. The service is asking for companies to RSVP by 20 December. The E-4B Flying Command Center has seating for up to 112 people across six sections, a command work area, a conference room, a briefing room, an operations team work area, communications area, and a rest area, according to the Air Force. The Legacy aircraft has a 12-hour range, though its flight time can be extended by an undisclosed amount through aerial refueling. To provide direct support to the President, the Secretary of Defense, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, at least one E-4B NAOC is always on 24-hour alert seven days a week, with a global watch team at one of many selected bases throughout the world. The aircraft connects to U.S. government leaders through an advanced satellite communication system, and the E-4B is battle-hardened against several high-end threats. The E-4B is protected against the effects of electromagnetic pulse and has an electrical system designed to support advanced electronics, a wide variety of communications equipment, says the Air Force. Other improvements include nuclear and thermal effects shielding, acoustic control and improved technical control facility, and an upgraded air conditioning system for cooling electrical components. The E-4B is also used to support the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, as a command center during relief efforts after nat natural disasters, such as hurricanes and earthquakes, says the Air Force. I mean, it's, again, another fascinating project. I think you it? forget, don't you, that uh, Air Force One, or the, uh, the, uh, the aircraft in question here, yeah. Is the E4B is based on the 747-200? Yeah. yeah, that's that's proper Quite old school. An old frame, it's probably yeah. one of the the few still flying in the, in the world because most of these were phased out years ago. Most of sit in boneyards. I, I suppose a lot of it is because perhaps it doesn't it doesn't. Do it's quite, been heavily modified. Yeah, and of course it doesn't do the amount of flying <laughs> no. that your your average um, jetliner is doing because obviously it's only in use when you know the president is going mm. somewhere so i guess you, you know you can make an older frame last longer because it hasn't got it hasn't had the amount and of it's stresses also it. incredibly well looked after oh well i guess i dare say yes yeah. it's, it's a, a very regular I'm, lo I'm looking forward to when uh they obviously because they've they've got these two 747-8s mm. the brand new ones that yeah. are being obviously going to be done or fitted out to uh to take over from this aircraft looking forward to when that comes online eventually
Yeah, so moving absolutely. on to yeah. the next story, uh, and uh, good news for uh, anyone who loves aircraft sims because <laughs> the uh, and it's in the U.S. Air Force. Yes, uh, this one is on military.com, and the headline: Air Force F-35 Simulator will let pilots fly in formation and talk to other aircraft. Ah. That's interesting. So when the U.S. Air Force gets its first F-35 Lightning II distributed mission training simulator system at Nellis Air Force Base, Air Force Base Nevada uh, in spring, uh, pilots will have the ability to fly virtually as a group alongside other aircraft and practice exchanging information across a network, according to Lockheed Martin officials. Wow. Uh, when the F-35 deploys to a fight, we know it's not going by itself, they said. Uh, Vice President of uh, F-35 Training and Logistics for Lockheed uh, spoke. Uh, McIntosh spoke during the Inter-Service Industry Training si uh, Simulation Education Conference, or ITSEC Conference, in Orlando, Florida on Tuesday this week. So by allowing our warfighters, he said, to really bring in all the other assets in virtual environment and practice that to ensure they get high-end training in these dense and uh, immersive environments, it's going to be a game-changer, he added. McIntosh said, uh, the distributed mission training simulator has been in testing for months and is in the final stages of integration before the technology is introduced in the spring. It's not just F-35 so, uh, that we can bring a virtual reality environment uh, to the network regardless of whether it's located, he said. According to the company, the simulator creates an inoperative interoperability uh, across military platforms uh, for continuation training for large force exercises. We expect the capability to be used in virtual flag exercises, allowing warfighters to practice complex training scenarios with other platforms virtually and for integrating training operations together. Uh, Lockheed said in the statement to military.com, the Air Force uh, will be the first to use the technology with the expectation that it will continue to be rolled out throughout the F-35 Enterprise and into the future, Lockheed says. The Defense Department has put an emphasis on group training with other services attending their own digital training initiatives. For example, a priority in the Army has been the synthetic training environment, also known as the STE. Engineers collect data to re or reconstruct cities, mountain-sized bunkers, etc., to more accurately represent what soldiers will experience, thus getting a more authentic representation of what they may face in contact. Now I suppose we always think about Sims and stuff, don't you, Matt? Mm. We have, we all we all went the Sim, the the seven three Sim for our two hundred. But they're so realistic. And you have though, aren't they? ground, um, ground sort of equipment and mm. and other aircraft. When you are flying, you can have those, and they're kind of they're they're there. They're not actual controlled by someone no. else. No, no, no. But uh, to have the ability to have a, a simulator where you can, you know, have other aircraft and talk to the aircraft yeah, and absolutely make it a more sort of immersive immersive yeah, yeah yeah it's a, it's a really I'm, i dread to think how much the system costs <laughs> but what, mind you you think i mean like in the world of of online gaming uh, no, i mean yeah, gaming i mean it's been very commonplace that you can talk to the other people that you're you know your other members of the army force if you like uh, you know yeah, I mean, yeah. you've been able to do that for ages so i guess this is just sort of you know jo joining the club i'll tell you what I, I mean i'd yeah. love to but i bet there's a few people who listen to the show who would love to have a go in an <laughs> F-35 sim. Yes, I bet. Yeah. Jonathan Warner being one of them. I, I dare say he would be quite excitable. Yeah, yes, that must indeed. be one hell of a sim to have a go in. Yeah, I bet. Anyway, on to the last uh, military story. This is on Flight Global again, and the headline is Spain has selected the Pilatus PC-21 single-engined turboprop to replace its age fleet of jet-powered uh, CASA 
C101 trainers. So uh, uh, tender documents indicated that Madrid will pay 204 million euros, that's $226 million for those who are interested, for 24 PC21s plus simulators and a logistics package against a budget of 225 million euros. Pilatus's bid uh, offered the best value for money according to co uh, a contract award and notification published on the Spanish government's procurement website. Under the contract, the first six aircraft are due to be delivered by the end of 2020. So not far then, actually, to wait before they arrive. Another six before the 31st of August 2021 and the remainder by April 2022. Uh, Pilatus faced uh, competition for the requirement of the Beechcroft T6 and the Embraer uh, EMB314 Turbo uh, Tucano. Is it Tucano? Uh, apologies if I said is, yeah. yeah, apologies if I said that wrong. Anyway, the Syrian uh, fleet's data <laughs> record records the Spanish Air Force as operating 58 C101s uh, with uh, an average of 37 years. Madrid also employs 19 Northrop uh, F5Bs as advanced trainers. Uh, no decision has so far been taken on their replacement. Spain is the latest country to switch from jet to turboprop powered aircraft for the training mission. France in 2017 selected the PC-21 to replace its Dassault Dornier um, Dassault. Da oh, Dassault. I Dassault. Do that. Yeah, Dassault, isn't it? I do that every time. <laughs> Sorry. D uh, d uh, Alpha jet fleet. So, an interesting... I don't know. A turboprop is still vaguely jet related, isn't it? Because turboprop it's, is it's basically... It's to run. I think the, the, uh, yeah. the various training outfits in the world yeah. cho choosing aircraft like this because they are cheaper to uh, run and maintain. Mm. I mean, the, the PC-21, just for the, for the benefit of you guys and girls mm. listening to the show, um, there's a quick... Um, <laughs> I like that. I know. Richard, Richard Adams has said the F-35 uh, F sim for the 500th. What a great idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll G that up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might take that long, to be fair. So the, uh, the, the PC-21 has... Mm. God, we need to start saving now. Yeah, the PC-21 yeah. has uh, a Pratt & Whitney Canada PT-6A turboprop producing 1,600 horsepower. Power. That's slightly more than the Cessna Grr. 150 that did, did you think? Right. Uh, Five <laughs> bladed constant speed propeller, maximum speed mm. of 426 miles an hour. That's fairly mm. fairly nippy. Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, has um, uh, a G limit for aerobatic use of mm. plus eight and minus four G. For those of you who do aerobatic flying, mm. Armando uh, will know what that's <laughs> all about. But um, has a crew of two though, so it's a good training mm. aircraft. And um, I've seen one of these at an air show before, and they are fairly nippy. Right in okay. the sky, <laughs> so they are. A good, it's a good trainer. Yeah. It's a good trainer. Yeah, absolutely. I should just. Did I mention um, where the, where the backdrop of this picture was taken uh, at the top of the show? I yes, can't you remember. did. Did I? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yes, taken by Lee this morning. They're, they're gone now. They're yeah. Well, well no. We, well, when I last messaged, I don't know. They were sat because of. Uh, a certain French air traffic, oh, control, French strike. Air traffic control strike. Um, yeah. It was he was uh, b just before we started the show. He was still sat on the tarmac. Well, if you're listening to the show, still Lee and Lisa, <laughs> have <laughs> a lovely holiday. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's just worth noting as well on the uh, on that uh, last story. Uh, the United Kingdom uh, Kinetic, on behalf of the Empire Test Pilot School at Boscombe Down, operates two of those aircraft for their okay. advanced training. Oh, they're yeah. advanced, advanced training. training. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Award winning. So thanks uh, for that military segment, Armando. Mm. And uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, next week with us. Uh, uh, no, show. he won't be here next week. He, oh, he, he did say in the bottom of the email. Oh. Uh, next week I'm off to Denver. He's uh, off to Denver? Yeah, to begin training for my new airline. Oh, um, that's yes, acceptable absolutely. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so it's doubtful I'll be on the show next Friday. Oh. But if well, Nev should yeah. be back. 
and Hopefully. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Armando has sent some Nev. stuff in. I'm, that's, that's like two, nearly three weeks now where we haven't had Nev. I'm, I'm we need Nev. To miss need a Nev. But I'm, don't panic. I'm, I'm missing my tech pal. Don't oh, sorry. panic though, everyone, yeah. because we, Nev is coming up next. Uh, oh, is he? on the show? Oh, so uh, yeah. Result, so yeah. coming up next, we have got another instalment from the Dubai Air Show, where in this uh, particular bit of video, uh, me and Nev have a wander through Emirates A380. I and, still uh, can't believe you had a shower in public. Nev. <laughs> Nev, uh, Nev has a little look at his favourite part of the aircraft, first class, and uh, I have a look at the showers. So for those of you who watch the show, may know that we uh, sometimes occasionally talk about the, uh, the showers on board the A380, and uh, here I am in the shower bathroom here on board the A380, and as you can see, um, there's quite a lot of space in here actually, to be fair, sink and... Uh, Nice fresh towels, very nice uh, fresh fluffy towels actually, and uh, plenty of mirror space you can see, and space to hang your clothes while you're showering. And just in front of me here is uh, the shower, which I'm sure Nev will be able to get on the uh, camera there. And uh, actually in the shower itself, if Nev, if you want to come in and uh, have a quick uh, look here, just around the corner, the shower is actually quite a good size shower, um, all good for anyone six foot tall to uh, get in and have a nice hot shower. And like I said, the space in here is actually quite roomy for a shower room. Now I know that you get, uh, I think you get 10 or 15 minutes space or time to uh, to go in here and have a shower. But uh, I must say, if I had the ability to go travel in first class and uh, use this uh, facility, I, I think I definitely would. Um, but yeah, it's great to, uh, to finally have a look and see what this is like in here. So. Uh, I hope we one day get a chance to have uh, a go in this uh, awesome, awesome aircraft. As you know, I have a penchant for the BA product, but today I'm on an Emirates A380 and it is very nice indeed, let me tell you. Currently in first class, uh, I can't even begin to describe how nice this is here in terms of the way it's laid out, the screen size, the drinks cabinet, the touchscreen control for everything, absolutely brilliant. And I've got to say, you know, full marks to Emirates here. They've done an absolutely astounding job on the presentation. Now, I don't mind paying a few extra quid, uh, as you know, to uh, be in certain parts of the aircraft. Um, I can't even begin to imagine how much it would cost to be in this part of the aircraft, though. And um, but as long as somebody else is paying, maybe my boss, at work possibly uh, that would be fine that's not going to happen though but uh, nonetheless if you have got the money uh, and you can afford to do it I highly recommend the first class suite in Emirates it is exceptional well this is rather nice now oh yes yes so uh, your first time on a 380 uh, seeing uh, the kind of passenger non well yeah prototype um, I went on to the 380 that was at Farnborough uh, with Al um, but the, this Emirates 380 is exceptional. And actually, the economy seating's really good as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the seat pitch is, is pretty reasonable, uh, but the standard finish in the whole aircraft yes. is, is yes. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've, um, we've been upstairs and had a look at the first-class suites. We've uh, seen uh, the, uh, the nice first-class uh, seat which you sat in and had a had a nice uh, try in and also the shower room as well which is really nice to uh, to have that option to have a shower mm. on a flight after a long flight would be nice actually yeah 
but uh, no, I have to say, it's um, Emirates do have a, a great uh, economy seat. Um, we, I mean, we are in the front row here, right at uh, the very front of the aircraft uh, on the lower deck. Um, so we have got lots of legroom here. So I think these seats are probably a premium, a kind of premium seat to get, I think, on the 380. But you don't think this is a £100 seat? No, no, no. But saying, but saying that, actually, the seats in here on the 380, for those of you who have not had the chance to, uh, to fly on the 380, even in the rows back, uh, you know, the high-density rows, there is still a sizable amount of legroom oh, yeah. um, for, yeah. for you on there. And also, one of the things as well which impressed me is the size of the screen, the IFE screens as well, which are a good size as well for, for economy. Um, but no, it's a, it's a great all-round package. I think the other thing is that, you know, they, Emirates have realised that this is obviously a long-haul aircraft uh, and you're going to be in it for 13, 14, 15 hours or whatever yeah. it is. And therefore, you know, the, the, the normal aircraft, whatever that is these days, is just not going to cut it. So they've really gone out of their way to design a superb interior. Um, and even if you're not paying top dollar, you know, if you're in the economy section, it's very reasonable indeed. Well, actually, one of the things to note was that in the shower room in the first class uh, section, there's still a IFE screen in the uh, in the shower room. So whilst you're having a shower, you can still um, catch up on the latest episodes of you know, Breaking Bad or anything like that. Or BBC News, maybe. Or BBC yeah. News. Actually, Nev would probably be watching BBC News, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's it's a great, you know, Emirates, you know, we can't praise it enough. It's a, it's a great uh, airline. I've personally flown Emirates quite a few times now um, in economy uh, and also had the, 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 you know, the great uh, chance of flying in business class on the, on the 777 many years ago. But uh, I think I'm looking forward, Nev, to seeing how Emirates um, bring this premium economy kind of product out, see how good that is, mm, how yeah. they can improve on the already great uh, economy products. So. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's an exceptionally well presented aircraft, isn't it? And uh, yeah, the 380 come in for a bit of stick, isn't it, over the last it few has. months? It has, it has, yes. Um, yes. But I still rate it as an absolutely superb yeah. aircraft. I've never flown a one myself yet, but uh, from what I can see from this Emirates example, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So Nev, should we should we get back out into the uh, into the sun? Yes. It's rather warm outside. Oh yes. <laughs> if you see beads of sweat on our foreheads, they are real. They are gentlemen. real. Yeah. And I think my, my word of the day uh, for that is the word penchant. Penchant. I think, that, I think that's, that's definitely the word of the day for the podcast. I think that's going to appear in the title there somewhere. I, I particularly like uh, Tanya's response to that. Yeah, it's like, never such a bon vivant. Yeah. Oh, it's very good. It's, it's excellent. Oh, great. I mean, I, I, I know we mentioned this when Will was here, obviously, because Will's had the pleasure of flying quite regularly on... Um, uh, sort of like well certainly business class anyway and I know that that sort of like that old school walnut dash look is oh, not yeah, everybody's the, cup yeah. of tea is it yeah. it's not it, it's I mean I personally love it I think I think it's a, a really nice finish but I must admit it does make a new aircraft look quite dated like immediately mm. a bit like the, the old Jags yeah the well, old school well, like, Jaguars well, I mean we all, we all had a Rover at some point in oh, our life that had that, that, that horrible had, fake <laughs> well, wood exactly. interior yeah. exactly you know it's a sort of similar sort of thing but uh, yeah it's it's a, it's a great product, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, it's, yeah. Uh, one, one day, one day, Carlos, you know, we'll we'll fly, we'll fly Emirates first class. One day. <laughs>
And if you're listening at Emirates, right. um, we yes. love you. Yeah, we love you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We'd love a go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> It'll be nice to try it one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll um, I'll t- tell you what I'll do on, when I leave the, sh- the studio today. I'll go and get us a lottery ticket. And right, um, yes, please do. Yeah, see how we get on. Absolutely. See how we get yeah. on there. Anyway, that's so we that. might not be here next week. Right. Okay. We, we, we won might the lottery. Be, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Won the lottery. <laughs> so that is where we are. How good would the three hundredth be if we won the lottery? <laughs> I'd, I'd buy Heathrow. Well, uh, right, okay. Rename it. He's being a bit silly. P2K uh, throw. Ignore. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to be your friend all of a sudden. Uh, oh, uh, dear. We, we need to abort. It's time to end the show, I think. Yeah, yeah. we're going uh, to bring the show, start to bring <laughs> oh, the show to wow. a close now. And don't forget, uh, as we said at the start of the show, uh, we uh, can announce yep. our venue for our 300th show yep. on the 11th of We've had, January. We've, had, we've had several emails coming already. Keep yeah, them coming into have. it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. We would love to see you there. Uh, great views of Heathrow's runway are, are to look forward to, uh, along with a spot of lunch that will be provided as yes, well. So, yes, yes. Yeah, Food nibble, nibbles and yeah, snacks absolutely. provided by the guys yeah. at the Renaissance Hotel mm. at London Heathrow. And don't forget, yeah. if you want to take yourselves <laughs> over to their website, Mash they have got reduced room rates still. So okay, if you want yeah. to book yourself a room, take Ma- yourself over going back to what we were talking about it's a tag gordy yeah tag gordy yeah, 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 yeah i know I what suppose, you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, yes uh, yes yeah, so podcast at plaintalkinguk.com i will of course uh, okay. put all the bits and relevant bits and pieces and details on yep. our social media pages yep. that will come out today um, so, that'll be on um, yep. i'll do that today yep. and uh, as matt said if you yep. if you want to come and join us for the 300 yep. show in january on the 11th on the saturday uh, do send us an email and let us know you are going to come we've, like i said matt said we've already had some emails in mm. so that's great I know. I'm really yeah, keep coming. So we've got plenty of room this year. There's no. Yeah, we've got loads of room this year. So yeah, <laughs> do, do keep the emails coming. As I say, the limit is basically sort of seventy-ish. So uh, yeah. you know, if we if we hit that, I shall be I shall melt. Well, I'll be my mind will be officially melted. That's good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that uh, is where we're going to bring episode number two hundred and ninety-seven to a close. Big thanks to everyone who has joined us on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, or morning or evening wherever you are in the world and uh, hopefully uh, you will all have a fantastic weekend and enjoy your Sunday roast so you're off DJing tonight yes I am actually going to be do my is my last wedding tonight tonight. so I've got one more wedding to do tonight disco uh, at a very old venue oh this must be St Peter's Brewery St Peter's Hall it's like This place is like built in the 1400s. It's so yeah. old, it's not even funny. It's no. like made out of wood and, <laughs> right. and stuff. Okay. Um, so I'll be there tonight. And uh, yeah, that's, um, that's, that, that's my Saturday well, night. Well, everyone have out. fantastic weeks. And we'll see you Take all care, next everyone. week. Take care. Bye, Bye everyone. Woo-hoo.